I'm Betches co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho, please. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy Equal Pay Day, fam. Whoa. (laughs) So much enthusiasm. So much enthusiasm. Well, right. This is Equal Pay Day for white women. Mm -hmm. It is is basically for white. It's on average, which is weird. So I don't know when. For some reason today, I couldn't find when white women's... it must be earlier, but today is just on average. But of course, yeah. that only includes the average of all women put together. And this date varies for women of color. Black Women's Equal Pay Day is not until September 21st. And Latina's Equal Pay Day is December 8th, almost a full entire <laughs> year. damn year. Because yeah. Latinas are paid 49 cents for every dollar paid to white men. So half as much. I don't know. I can't, I'm not good at math, Millie, but what's the math on, on your pay gap then? <laughs> Yeah, well, as an Afro-Latina, I'm paid the equal as a white man because I get the black women pay and the Latin women pay. And together, it equals... No, I'm just kidding. I have three jobs right now and I'm dying. Um, but yeah, like this, the reason that, you know, it's those days is because, right, equal pay days, like, theoretically, if January 1st is the paycheck, then Mm -hmm. today would be like the day that it gets for one paycheck or something like that, right? This is an LSAT problem. What it is is that... (laughs) So it takes us until like... If men, on average, stopped working on December 31st, mm-hmm. they could take all of this year off until March 15th and then start today and we'd all earn the same. So basically, mm. like, we are always three months behind them, three and a half months behind them financially. This gap is closing. I mean, right now, technically, on average, women make 83 cents to the man's dollar. But Whoa. these numbers for for Black and Latina women, I think they're getting worse yeah. Because of the because of the pandemic, pandemic. these dates are li- late. I thought that Asian women's equal pay day used to be before the average one, but it is much later. It is in it is in May. I, I just Women's History Month really landing with a thud this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, a lot of the positions that we see like Latinas in are very underpaid. If you look at like. I don't know, like the stereotypical things of like a housekeeping position or whatever, Mm -hmm. domestic, any domestic work. And that's what like black, Mm -hmm. Latina and Asian women often take the bulk of domestic Mm -hmm. work for white families. Those are some of the most underpaid positions that could possibly exist. And they're probably underpaid because they are associated with women of color. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, it, you know, it's just been so funny because this guy that I know, he did this whole rant about like how unfair it is in Ukraine that like, oh, I thought we were fighting for equality. Why do men have to stay and women get to leave and all this stuff? And it, he just did this whole rant about like, you know, everyone talks about how there's not enough women in STEM, but there's not enough male teachers and all that mm. stuff. And I'm like, it's all related. And it's also like these jobs that we relate to women are severely underpaid like like Elise yeah. was saying and like and we stigmatized teach, we, we treat teachers like shit and we don't pay yeah. them so yeah like, that might be part of like and the reason why we treat teachers like shit and don't pay them is because it's a historically feminized position like you look at nursing it's the same like any job that's traditionally associated with women's work is getting underpaid yeah, that's so true. And it's so interesting that even in even in fields that have some like standardization, like I know the law firm that my fiance works at, they all get the same raise every year. Like it's it's all standard. You all get the same amount. You all basically get the, the same bonus or it's fairly distributed based on how much you work. And like if you, you know, a lot of jobs you want to leave and then to get you to stay, they'll offer you more, but they don't even do that. So like I think the idea is that it allows for equity and that people can't be discriminated against. Of course, I'm sure they are in other ways uh, because everybody rises at the same time. And there, that's the case in some finance uh, jobs as well. But the pay gap still persists. I think in law, it's an average of a $33,000 difference. Jesus. And probably because women are more often going into things like family law, are more often representing maybe women who don't have means, like are the ones representing domestic violence victims. Like I am sure that the number of lawyers concentrated in those professions helping uh, immigrants are probably women. And they're not mm. paid, you know, they're not paid the like big law salaries. Yeah. Yeah, it's like corporate law and shit where you make the big bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that shit is boring. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're if you're a corporate lawyer, I'll marry you. <laughs> there are I mean... I mean, that's literally what most of Becoming is about, is Michelle being like, corporate law is actually really boring. It's a huge yeah. snooze. And I met that's my true. husband and got the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why whenever sometimes it's like, why aren't more girls in STEM? It's like, because STEM sucks. I don't want to do that. Kidding, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let no. them do it. I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners in fake STEM numbers. are very uh, titillated at all times. Yes, no. I think women's equality should be, like you said, it's like women shouldn't have to go into the fields that men, that have a sheen and prestige because men have typically occupied them just to make money. Like the, 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 just redistribute the wealth, tax the rich, leave it there. <laughs> yeah, tax yeah. the fucking rich. You know, it's like, I feel like when you're, when you're a young person in college, in high school now, they really push you on like, be a woman in a high-powered career. And it's like those careers are considered high-powered because women have traditionally been left out of them. Why can't, like, yeah. how come we can't just pay, like, why can't I just have a small business telling stationery and be high-powered? Yeah, or, like, why yeah. can't I have, be a high-powered teacher? You yeah, know? right. Like, wow, why, that's, why doesn't mm -hmm. that exist? You never hear anyone say, like, a high-powered nurse, even though they <laughs> absolutely are. They run they hospitals. Just, <laughs> and, like, they just did a whole pandemic <laughs> well <laughs> also it's not even that right there's like all this shit with nursing right now because nurses that stay at the same hospital don't get paid as much as traveling nurses wow, and right. now there's a lot of legislation that are like limiting people from being traveling nurses and getting those paid pay raises and stuff um because what people will do will, will go to like a remote area 
and um, be a, like a temporary traveling nurse there, yeah. get a bunch of money and go back because staying at the, so instead of like paying like the same nurses. like nursing. Exactly. God. No, exactly. Yes. And instead of paying everybody like more money, they've been doing legislation to like, decrease traveling nurses pay so they're not incentivized to try it's it's so i know it's so fucked up because it's like like you said the actual solution is to increase the compensation for Mm -hmm. make it more lucrative for a nurse to stay at her hospital not make it illegal for her to go make more money elsewhere (laughs) right Right. exactly exactly but ladies you know someone who does get paid quite a lot more than us we talk about him a lot. Maybe this podcast should be called the Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> it's Joe the Rogan. The experience of the Joe Rogan experience <laughs> podcast. <laughs> unpleasant, unpleasant. And for what? What is he getting paid so much for? So really interesting poll has come out about Joe Rogan's podcast and who listens to it and like what their demographic data is and uh, how they sort of treat the pandemic. Again, Morning Call, they do a lot of polling. This is reliable polling. They asked 4,500 people if they were fans of the Joe Rogan podcast. One in 10 people described themselves as avid fans, and two in 10 people said they were casual fans. That's a lot of people out of 10 people to know about a podcast. For one out of every 10 people you pass, one of them is an avid fan. Avid fan. That's like, that's a lot. I mean, I know oh, Sup were many. almost there. Sup were, yeah, of course, like nearly there. Oh, yeah. But uh, for I sure, think for maybe sure, for casual sure. fans. Yeah, we've got all cat <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think our numbers are like a little different. Yeah. Um. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, our nipples are not as long as Joe Rogan's. No. <laughs> no. no. Well, that's, that's what accounts for. Yeah, that's where he makes up. But now I want to talk about his uh, avid fans vaccination status. So about 55% of his avid fans are vaccinated and about 45% are not. That's compared with the general population where about 87% of adults are vaccinated, about 76% of people overall. And that tracked with um, this particular morning consult poll found that 76% of non-listeners were vaccinated. So, of course, it's hard to know if like unvaccinated people are more likely to listen to Joe Rogan or Joe Rogan listeners are more likely to be unvaccinated because they listen to him. But I think we can safely conclude that they're definitely like validating each other. There's a correlation. Mm. Uh, They're definitely um, enforcing each other. And I don't think, you know, whoever is listening to Joe Rogan's podcast certainly was not convinced to get the vaccine from from his podcast. So did any of these stats surprise you? It definitely did not surprise me. What I thought was really interesting and what Michael Hobbs of the Maintenance Phase podcast pointed out is that a lot of articles framed this, like the way they framed it is like majority of Rogan fans vaccinated. And it's like, okay, yeah, but they're actually vaccinated at like well below the rate of the rest of the country. And like that, and like what is going on with that? So I thought it was really... This didn't surprise me, but I thought the framing of it was really interesting, like that it's somehow a win that technically 55% are vaccinated when it's like... It's still a pandemic. 87% (laughs) of the country is vaccinated, so... Yeah, it's like they're actually twice as likely to not be vaccinated than everyone else. What surprised me is, you know, it kind of confirmed this conspiracy theory that the vaccine... Um, lowers your attention span because the Joe Rogan podcast is boring as shit and it's so long. And um, for that many unvaccinated people to be able to tune in like that, it just means that it's true. The vaccine does alter your DNA. 
and um you know the the three of us are i'm assuming have under undiagnosed adhd and it probably this podcast enhances it mm-hmm. so um yeah this is a, a cause of uh getting a vaccine you know we Absolutely. go on a lot of tangents and the joe rogan podcast is boring as shit talks about nothing and um yeah you if, know if we, ever have a, long. if we ever have a guest on you find particularly boring you should probably look into their vaccination status mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows who knows yeah. people who don't think they should be vaccinated think that they get to take up more space and time in the world just do whatever they want the tracks attract Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Today, we're also going to focus in on some big stories in domestic politics. We have had a lot of guests, uh, experts on Ukraine and people from Ukraine on the past couple of shows, and those will be evergreen. I encourage you to check those out when you have some time. Yesterday's interview with uh, Val Voshevska, we talked a lot about the Women's March in Ukraine and how they're raising money. And I think a lot of people have probably been looking for a group like theirs. They're just sort of like, we love the IRC, we love big groups, but they're like very grassroots and they're actually like... You give them their money, they will go to the store and buy medicine and bring it to a lady who can't get it. Like, that's what they're doing. Um, So we'll share some more information about that on social. Today, we're going to focus in on some big stories in domestic politics. Like I said, it seems like Republicans and state legislatures, they had some pretty lofty Q1 goals. And I think they're really trying to wrap it up before the end of the month. Florida state legislature actually failed to accomplish key initiatives for its state budget during its 60-day session. I was reading this morning about what they got done versus what they really needed to get done, and it's just all useless culture war stuff. They of did course. not finish their legislative maps, which is mostly DeSantis's fault, and we'll get to that. They did not come up with a budget, and a bill that would improve regulations around buildings that would have been in response to the Surfside condominium collapse died. It died. They got <laughs> this don't say bill. So, that is so crazy <laughs> to me that they could not even pass the Surfside collapse bill. <laughs> like that is something that I isn't that bipartisan that you don't want your fucking building to fall down? Maybe the no, bill said gay in it somewhere. I don't know. 
Oh, my mm. God. No, it's actually not bipartisan because Republicans don't actually work on policy. That is one of their things. They're talking about not being gay or not saying gay, but they actually don't do anything to, to help anyone. I think that Sorry. needs to be blown out more that they literally could not even. That was a national tragedy on a level that we have not seen. And yeah. they're just like, no big deal. I, Let's I'm gonna deal blow with that later. More. Yeah. We well, should. and it was a result of a lot of very Florida specific problems yeah. with like how they let their buildings be regulated. Like there were a lot of changes that needed to be made that could have prevented that collapse. And it's completely insane that they couldn't even pass it. Yeah, I think what that. this specific one would have required certain um, upkeep or, or maybe inspections at like 25 years. And that building, I think, was at its like 40 year or something. Yeah. It sounded very yeah. reasonable to me. And it's also like, you know, as more, you know, Florida's going to be underground very soon. Like, Florida has serious climate issues coming. And it is important to keep those buildings under code and under standard. Yeah. And like, again, what is, you know, what have the Republicans done? in power just like they're banning people being gay like in 40 years do you think anyone cares about this exactly uh, exactly it's like wow my apartment complex just like crumbled to the ground but at least for a couple years my kid wasn't hearing about when it wasn't hearing about sexuality in second grade because it wasn't before it's like yeah. okay. so, like we said, they made lots of advances in this culture war, notably passing the "Don't Say Gay" bill. Um, that bill is titled the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Jesus, and Christ. it states that lessons about sexual orientation are banned outright in kindergarten through third grade. It also prohibits in other grades unless they are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate topics. So, Ron DeSantis yesterday celebrated this win by saying, "As the parent of three kids that are age five and under." Thank you for letting me and my wife be able to send our kids to kindergarten without them being sexualized. This is <laughs> a new crazy talking point. They are they are now framing these these don't say gay type laws, these don't talk about trans or sexual identity as anti-grooming laws. Oh, I Jesus. also just want to note while we're talking about this that in Iowa and also in Florida and probably other places, the same type of politics. I don't know if DeSantis did, but the politicians that that love this shit, the parents' right stuff, they also want to put cameras in all K through 12 classrooms that could be live streamed on the internet, a public website for parents to monitor what teachers are saying. But a public yeah. website, live stream children all day long. But it's saying gay that's going to sexualize yeah. your children. Or if acknowledge- acknowledging that a child has to has gay parents sexualizes children but acknowledging that their parents are straight doesn't sexualize them right but like that that's what's so crazy to me and it's um i mean it's really disturbing (laughs) on many levels this is wait okay so have they acknowledged Matt Gates and his current no, no, fucking? Not at all. <laughs> because that's no. grooming, honey. That's yeah. a, gr- traveling across state lines to pay for underaged pussy. It's, it's that's grooming. Pretty that's bad. pretty much. Te- that's, that's actually grooming. grooming. That it's is sexual that's assault. A, that's a that is a salon day. You know that is waxing. <laughs> yes, that is a fucking full grooming. service. Full that's service. A full grooming. service salon over there. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it also reminds me um, a little ta- tangential, but conservatives are really mad about Turning Red, the new Pixar yes. movie. That's oh, absolutely God. fucking adorable. Good, it's a yeah. great movie. And one of the one of the things that they're saying is that it sexualizes young girls because the girl gets her period in it, and that's acknowledged. And like. This character is 12 years old. 12-year-olds get their period. She's She's 13. She's 13 years old. The average age for someone to get their period is 12. Like, it's very, you like, then biology is sexualizing her. Like, exactly. Yeah. Right. What, what do you mean? Like, do you think the instant that a, a does this does this man think that a that a child the instant that they see blood in their underwear they are overcome with a sexual drive? No. Well, and well, also like, you're still a kid. You just have blood in your pants. I and think also, like sorry, oh, I was sorry. just gonna say kids should know about this stuff before it happens. Like yeah. it's actually it's traumatizing for a 10 year old to watch a movie about what it's like to be a 12 year old and understand and know that she's gonna get her period at some point and what that means and like what that looks like. I don't know if y'all have seen Carrie, but <laughs> oh my God. being surprised period. by her period <laughs> led to some really Trauma. scary thing. It made her telekinetic and she killed everyone at prom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was so funny because I, I watched like the sci-fi remake of Carrie, like a 2001 one that's really funny. It's so bad. And <clears throat> my brother, like it was like all the girls teased her and they were like, period, period. So my brother would be like, period, every time he saw me. That's just a little anecdote. Uh-huh. But I will say, <clears throat> I think another thing that upset people about Turning Red was that it's also about this 13-year-old girl who's like, Talking about having a crush on boys, being a little horny. And I think mm-hmm. that... Just a that little horny. She's being yeah. a little horny, but I think that it just reminds me of the cutie. Remember the, that that French movie, The Cuties, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that had yeah, all yeah, this yeah. controversy for even bringing up oh, like right. over-sexualization? Which, if you watch it, it's like actually a commentary on how like mass media sexualizes girls and mm-hmm. her dealing with her extremely Muslim background and like what it means to be a young woman. And it's it's just like, you know, anything that challenges the status quo of like, you know, as young girls, we're all brought up that we don't have sexuality. Boys have sexuality. Boys are allowed to be horny. No one like fucking said anything about, you know, mm-hmm. th- what is it, that good boy movie or any of these like young horny boy movies. But when girls are young and a little bit horny, it's like and it, it just reinforces this thing of like. But the way that sexuality works is that boys are supposed to be these untamed, horny animals and girls are supposed to not have any sexuality and we're supposed to be the ones that say no and anything that happens is our fault because we even though we're human beings and we have natural desires, yeah. just like everything else and like. If we do enjoy sex, it's bad. It's like all this fucked up shit. And it's like Mm -hmm. to get that message early on that it's normal to like write fan fiction and have a crush on the little (laughs) grocery store kid and all that stuff. Yeah, and draw a picture of him as a merman kissing you, which is is the big horny moment that they're talking about. She sounds like (laughs) Tina Belcher. Like, exactly sort of the perfect approach. I also saw this terrible um, discourse about this, like, Toronto, this, I think he was a Canadian film reviewer. He might have been American, but he was a fairly well-known film reviewer. Gave it a bad review because he said he couldn't relate to it. (laughs) He was like, uh, the filmmaker is just speaking to her small uh, Asian-Canadian community in Toronto, so I couldn't get into it. It's like... Yeah, that's a it's huge literally ch- about puberty and going to school. <laughs> it's about so. puberty and your <laughs> mom. Many, like- also, how many movies are made just for you, bro? Like, 
It's like, oh, I couldn't identify with Luca because I'm not a gay right. Italian fish man. <laughs> when, <laughs> which also, I mean, it is a gay movie for sure. Yeah, but, right? I, I bet he identified perfectly well with Shrek. Well, <laughs> my okay, my okay. Just a side note: my one friend's grandpa hated Shrek because the princess turned ugly at the end. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's real grandpa moves. Um, real grandpa you moves. Know- Another thing about Shrek before we move on to importance. Let's go through all the Pixar. No, listen, lightning. I don't baby. know if anybody. I, I'm going to go see the new Batman today, but someone did the calculations, and based on when the new Batman takes place and when Bruce Wayne's parents would have died, it is likely that they were taking their young son to see Shrek when uh, they were oh, killed uh, <laughs> outside the theater in Crime Alley. Oh, well, I heard it was Fast and Furious, but Shrek also checks out i will Shrek say checks out okay i will say batman it shouldn't have worked but it did and robert pattinson shouldn't be that attractive but it works and he's so hot and it's unfortunate bet yourself <laughs> official take mm-hmm. bet yourself official take is can just, get it it he, oh man that jawline i don't know yeah, i got god again guys it's undeniable <laughs> So, yeah, so they're fine with you can't say gay in classrooms, but you can put cameras in there. Also, Who cares? The, the thing about period sexual, it's like, you know what sexualizes children when you suddenly grab them out of their out of their classroom and you tell them that their mom is there to bring them a new T-shirt. That is what sexualizes because she's wearing spaghetti scraps. That is what yeah. sexualizes young children and makes them feel traumatized. Is that shit is the shit when you are in class and you say, oh, do you have a boyfriend? That's weird. That's weird, right? Don't do that. Oh, I bet half these people, if they see like a cute toddler, like lady killer, like this one's gonna be, or like, like, will tell, like, will be like trying to set their own toddlers up as a joke. Like, get the fuck out of here. These are these are the people that are like these are the people that are in the hospital when they're they have their kids and the husbands are like, you're gonna do a husband stitch. Like, these are those same people. It's all the same type of people. And they're horrible. And we'll get into why these horrible people seem to be okay with Ron DeSantis. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. 
So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Lawmakers in Florida, of course, they also passed a bill that would ban abortions after 15 weeks. There's some insane abortion stuff going on right now. It's really scary. It is in the vein. Yeah, a lot of it's in the vein of like pregnancy shit. The ectopic pregnancy one is so crazy because it says in there, it's like the guy is saying, oh, no, I just don't want sex traffickers to try to abort ectopic pregnancies in an unsafe way. (laughs) And then people are like, "Okay, bro, but the bill doesn't say that. The bill just says like felony if you um, have to end an ectopic pregnancy, because the way that you do that is um, I think it's like it's an injection and so it is technically like a drug. It's not the same as the abortion drugs. But then they didn't like I keep waiting for a revised version of the law where they specify, like, of course, it's okay in a hospital, but they're like, don't bother. So the problem is these lawmakers are not doctors. They are so fucking dumb because they went through these school yeah. systems. They don't and know what they're doing. pregnancy isn't viable. No, like, but these yeah. laws pass and they're like, oh, shit. So how do they... It's very scary because these are similar to the ones that were like May 2019 energy, but we had a slightly different court then and I was mm-hmm. definitely more confident that things wouldn't uh, wouldn't go in that direction. But now in June, we're looking at the Supreme Court either letting states intervene before 15 weeks or just overturning Roe altogether. And then all of these crazy things can probably go into effect. There's going to be like 15 states that allow yeah. b- abortions. And that's going to be a whole... It's going to be a lot of tourism, we'll say that. The Idaho but Florida, law. Yeah. The Too Idaho law. Sorry, Florida, like, Idaho. <laughs> which one? The Idaho one I was reading today lets the father, grandparents, uncles, or siblings of the fetus sue the doctor if Good. the mother gets an abortion. So it's like they can actually all fucking take the care entire of the family's opinion matters except the mother. Mm-hmm. That's the only opinion that doesn't matter with regard to this situation. And that just connects to everything we've been talking about so far. This just yeah. like entitlement over over women's bodies and uh, and what we're allowed to do with them. So another thing in Florida that did not get passed is a congressional map. And that's because even the hyper-conservative legislator kept proposing maps that maintained uh, a minority district. It's extremely unusual for a governor to veto a congressional map proposed by his own party. I didn't know he was up to any of this until you sent this link through, Millie. Ron DeSantis apparently really wants this district gone. I think it's a very large district around Jacksonville. It's considered a minority access district, so it's not majority minority, but it was drawn to better ensure that minority voters can elect members of Congress who are of the same race or ethnicity. DeSantis wants it gone for a number of reasons. He wants Florida, I think, to be <laughs> I like... I guess. Yeah, <laughs> because he's a racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have some guesses as to why he yeah. wants it fucking he, gone. Strategically, I think what he wants is he wants Florida to be, number one, just entirely dominated by Republicans to make it seem like, look what I've done to the state of Florida. Imagine what I could do for the country. He also, in a more sinister way, probably wants to trigger a Supreme Court case that he hopes will strike down the Voting Rights Act. All He's working on this... Uh, on yeah. the side, and somebody he's apparently working with on this is he's uh, apparently emailing with Ginny Thomas about it. Ginny. Well, well, Ginny. Who's Ginny Thomas? Oh, Ginny we'll Thomas is, we'll, we'll come, come back. back to Ginny Thomas, but first we'll spend a little bit more time on DeSantis. I mean, he's clearly positioning himself for a 2024 run. He's playing all the hits, abortion, immigration, parents' rights, LGBTQ issues, race, and nobody seems to be getting in his way. This guy seems like such a doofus to me, but I do see understand that he has... And a reputation as being kind of a bully, and he 
He gets what he wants, and apparently even his party is afraid to defy him right now. He's second only in polling for the Republican nomination to Donald Trump, and he's pretty cocky about that. I can see why he would be, because to a certain type of voter, he's probably much more appealing. You get the the cultural nonsense mm-hmm. of Donald Trump without the the scary, you know, this this insane person has the nuclear football and a person who is very dangerous at all times, which you could definitely make the argument that DeSantis is too. But why do you think that he is on this, like, ascent so successfully? Because he's Trump with the Ronald Reagan sheen on it. He's mm-hmm. exactly what they've been looking for because they... Donald Trump was not able to Donald Trump did an enormous amount of damage and was a horrible president and I was a very scary person to have in office but he was not able to do as much damage True. as Republicans would have liked because of his sheer dumbassery and yeah. like the people who he had around him were all dumbasses he's four a dumbass four seasons total landscaping four se- yeah because like <laughs> exactly because of the four seasons total landscaping of it all Ron DeSantis is as evil and insane as Donald Trump, but probably would not book Four Seasons. Yeah. Like he would actually not book that. I also I also think that, you know, as someone from Florida, like Florida is getting more diverse, like more diverse, more, more multicultural. And it's hard because the Democrats are also like we we need like a counter again this proactive like uh, on offensive thing to combat a force like DeSantis yeah. to target Black and Latino like a Stacey Abrams kind of force in Florida in South Florida because honestly Millie? the pop <laughs> is it you <laughs> sorry I well you know how I Millie cannot, you always say mm-hmm. that um, DeSantis like his margin of victory was smaller than the people that have died of COVID or bigger. Now, yeah, it's, double. now it's by double. Yeah, now yeah. that's doubled. Twice as many so, people have died for, from COVID than, than Ron DeSantis won by. So, And people who died from COVID, there are stats that say we're more likely to be conservative, and that's why they didn't get vaccinated. So like, Well, yeah, no, exactly. And also, well, it's also, yeah, it's that and that, like, he cheated. Like, there were, like, the last ballot measures that – um did not like those districts that didn't get their ballots in it's like saying that a neighborhood in harlem like it was a predominantly black areas that did not get their votes counted that would have tipped the scales to andrew gillum and that Mm -hmm. didn't happen so there is this thing of like ron DeSantis is evil and all this stuff but it's also like i there needs to be some force that are really getting people out to vote and like this Hispanic population, like I've been saying, you know, I've been saying we've been discussing, has been more courted to by the Republican Party. Um, Hispanic people are not a monolith, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like there is opportunity there because Ron DeSantis, it does not represent the majority of Floridians, you know, Um Rondis, you know, a lot of, again, these major cities, Orlando, especially, especially post Hurricane Maria and Irma has a huge influx of Puerto Rican immigrants who, you know, no one's really like speaking to or it's like getting a little late and stuff. But like, there is opportunity there. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's like, the Republicans not really opposing it. And it's also like the Democrats are not I, I don't think are like not using the best opportunity to be proactive and start battling misinformation in that state. Mhm. 100%. Yeah, it's it's quite alarming that we're not seeing a I mean, 
it's out there. There are definitely a lot of Gen Z activists who, I mean, I was talking to Elise about this the other day, and I, I hate to admit it, but, you know, I had so much hope about Florida and Texas last time around that I'm, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. You know, we really thought that we were close. They that we were, It was really at least close. even going to be, they didn't come as close as I thought that they would. And you know what? But you know what? I'm going to stop myself because the number of voters that are turning 18 is huge in those states. Absolutely huge. But you're right, Millie. I think like, but both of those states, like if the Hispanic voters, which are not a monolith, are not like handled strategically and spoken to, I think I was reading on the thing I sent you yesterday that like immigration falls to like number six on on what Hispanic voters on average sort of care about. But what you hear mainly from the progressive wing of the party is on immigration. It's so mm-hmm. important to make sure you're advocating for that and that you know, dreamers are taken care of. But I was shocked because the way that the party behaves, you would think that all Hisp- all every Hispanic yeah. person wants to hear about is, is immigration, which is I know from my friends and, and all the stats that just who is who is giving them that information? That is like 100 percent the crux of Dems outreach to Hispanics, 99.9 percent of the time. And I think it is part of the failure because, again, like Millie said, like the Hispanic community is not a monolith. The reason that the Republicans have had so much success in Florida is because they have catered very, very specifically laser focused to like Cuban expats and Venezuelan expats specifically and their actual their Mm -hmm. actual concerns that they have. Mm -hmm. Whereas we just kind of do this immigration thing, but like the Puerto Ricans in Florida are Americans. They immigrate, they didn't immigrate here. (laughs) That's not an outreach message for them. Like for there are, for as many people who have come here undocumented and had to go through that journey, there are a lot of Hispanic people who didn't. And that is not the main thing that's on their mind. It's, you know, again, like, Minimum wage, which did get passed in Florida, despite them voting for Trump, like or despite the tip, the scales being tipped for Trump over Biden, minimum wage passed, you know, and who was, you know, I was calling and canvassing and most people seem like they, they were on board for that. It's marijuana, which has passed in Florida legalization in Miami. It's all these things that like, again, progressive legislation. Um, but you know, again, if it's just talking about immigration, it's like, okay, it's student loan debt, honestly, you know, it's this shit like, yes, people of color, people with immigrant parents are way more likely to have student loan debt. It's stuff like we were talking about mm -hmm, protections for domestic workers, right? Give them all that stuff. Yeah. Give them something to vote to vote for. Because Mm -hmm. yeah, if, if I have was born in this country, an immigration message is not, if I was born in this country, but I'm not making enough to make ends meet and I don't have childcare, the immigration message is it's important to all of us. But what when we're talking about what brings people out, like, do you think that there is, are a lot of people in Florida that are going to be moved to vote for Ron DeSantis? Or you think we'll just stay at home? Because stay, Democrats, I think, so. yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like stay at home. I feel like, again, when we're talking about offensive message, right? Offensive. It's more like, which is something that I learned, right? Is that Ron DeSantis has the ability to cut the gas tax by 27 cents a gallon. And he's not doing it because, well, first of all, Florida doesn't tax as much. So that would be like the entire state budget, right? But that's what happens with Republican fucking shit. But it's also like, even simple messaging, like, you want your child tax credit back? Well, fuck it. Vote, <laughs> vote, vote Democrat right. and you'll get it back or something. You know what I mean? But it's just like 
can they promise that with Joe Manchin voting again? I don't I know, know. I know. That's a tough fucking thing. But yeah. I feel like people will just stay home or not. Like, honestly, Donald Trump was a motivating factor. Like, Democrats didn't need to promise that much because Donald Trump yeah. was so damaging and scary. And now it's like this new state of... Okay, well, we we did it. Like everyone did it. Everyone called. Everyone, whatever. And what's you know what's improving? Mm-hmm. I know, and I think the mansion stuff is like the message. The only message we have is like, oh yeah. So we were one seat short. So it's like we actually just need you to give us one more. Like they yeah. delivered on what we told them. But I think our message was unfortunately we didn't know at the time. We were unfortunately, I guess, misrepresenting what we'd be capable of because we thought that Joe Manchin was was a Democrat. He sits with it? the Republicans <sighs> at the State of the Union. Yeah. He sat with them. Like, let's stop playing him. this game. We don't have a majority. The Republicans actually do. <laughs> like, that's what's happening. So yeah. no we were duped. Government. Joe Manchin's I'm, a Republican. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, I, this is so stupid. And this is just such a little grudge. And I can't really post about it because I know somebody who works at But... I still am disgusted by the Ted Lasso, Mitt Romney, Kirsten Cinema oh, yeah. costume. And every time I think it, it like completely ruined that show for me. Like they are actively wor- working to, and like the Ted Lasso staff did not like even say shit about it. I know they saw it mm-hmm. and they did not make a statement or anything. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, like they don't care. I don't, you know, they yeah. don't no, care. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's interesting how we see. You know, on a local level, certain demands, like we demand that Disney and all of these places make statements about local bills. But like, we just sort of sit in this norm where like our, our national government doesn't really function and is always at a standstill, but it's okay. We just goof around, you know. Yeah. yeah. Florida passed a law about like children's books and didn't pass a law about ensuring its buildings don't fucking collapse into the sea. Exactly. Or like um, Florida, you know, is trying to ban abortion, but the the gallon, (laughs) like the gallon of gas is so expensive and it actually has that in its power Mm -hmm. to change. But, oh, whoopsie fucking do. Actually, we, we can't do it. Right, well, well also, Ron DeSantis doesn't want to do that because higher gas prices make his potential 2024 opponent, Joe Biden, look bad. And that's way exactly. more important to him than actually providing any kind of relief or doing anything for the people that he's supposed to represent. And that's like the grim, sad part about it is that for whatever promises the Democrats don't meet or whatever, like... Yeah, Democrats exactly. are, for the most part, actively like they don't care who looks bad or who looks whatever. They negotiated with Trump to get legislation passed because for COVID stuff, they don't care that it made Trump look good to get the yeah. first stimulus. Like they're actually, for the most part, uh, working in good faith and Republicans never do because mm-hmm. they know it's their strategy to know that Democrats will always tr- at least try to do the right thing. And it's so fucking evil. And right. that's why it's that's why we need to like continue to vote for I Democrats. was even like when I was talking to Val yesterday, she mentioned like she was talking about how Putin does disinformation and how he'll always act as if he's reacting to something, but it, like he had no other choice. Like something prompted. But if you actually look at what's happening, no. You just instigated this. You are not reacting to any actual problem. And I think that we have to watch ourselves as we talk about this, too, to make sure even with our like domestic politicians that we're framing what they do, not as like 
reactions to things that happen because I feel like that even gives them more of a sheen than they than they are allowed. No, they're coming yeah. out of nowhere. Like like Ron is like a 15-week abortion ban is warranted. No, it's not. No, How it's is that not. warranted? No. The thing about the Florida one that's really upsetting too is that like if you look at a map, you know, Florida is surrounded by a lot of southern states that have really intense abortion bans or a lot of trap laws. And it's gonna it, it was already an important haven. Uh, I think that abortion is fairly available in, in Florida compared to those other states. And so if they cut it off after 15 weeks, then there's like a whole region of people who are not going to be able to access abortion after 15 weeks. And there are, that's a lot of people. Anecdotally, yeah, it's anecdotally like I live in a, you know, again, I'm not whatever. Right. This is anecdotally. But I live where I grew up in Florida. Again, like very Latino, very black area. Uh, populous Broward County, you know, mm-hmm. that Planned Parenthood closed a long time ago in in mm-hmm. the in wow. the neighbor, in the city. Like people have to drive at least, you know. And this is again like a big, like there's a Whole Foods, like it's not mm-hmm. like a, a a sticks, like yeah, whatever. There's an airport in my city. There should be a Planned Parenthood in Broward County, Florida. Uh, yeah, that's, that's but the one sure. in my city is not there, and. And that's fucking disturbing. They're like, yeah, that one closed. I can't go. Yeah. I have to drive and, like know, 45 I, minutes. And a lot of times, like, you you can usually sometimes, I don't even know, but I know at my gynecologist, they will provide that service. But you have to ask about it. It's not publicized because they're like, we don't want protesters here. Mm. So people don't know. So obviously, abortion clinics are the easiest, the most accessible. Usually, they're they're more affordable there. But we're not done with Ginny Thomas. we got to get back to Ginny Con, who I'm yeah. sure hates abortion. What? She and her husband hate abortion. Yeah. Mm. This weekend, the well-known conservative activist, who of course is Clarence Thomas's wife, admitted that she attended the January 6th Stop the Steal rally, but got cold and left before the rioting began. <laughs> At least when I first read that, I, I was sure she said she got cold feet <laughs> and then left. I was like, oh no, no, she just got cold. No, it wasn't. No, there were no regrets. She didn't have second thoughts. She just physically was feeling kind of cold. <laughs> I thought she like bought buses. Like she paid for buses oh, yeah. to get there. So that's what the New York Times and the New Yorker say, but she says that she didn't actually. She said oh, that she okay. didn't. She said that she didn't. But, well, but yeah, like, take that as you will. The New Yorker and the New York Times say she did. She says she didn't. Yes, the two two famously uh, two famously fake news publications. <laughs> I yeah, mean, Jenny's well, like like Elise said, Jenny's role in the legal fight to overturn the twenty twenty election result is well known. Sources have even claimed that she was a key figure. Ginny denies those claims. She says she was simply there on January 6th to look into the, quote, important and legitimate substantive questions about election integrity. Ginny Thomas, like, this is the energy she's bringing. She also signed a letter urging GOP leaders in Congress to expel Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney because they were on the January 6th committee. And she thinks that the January 6th committee is terrible, that it's terrorizing uh, and harassing private citizens who have done nothing wrong, she said, by attending the Capitol that day. Justice Clarence Thomas was notably the only Supreme Court justice who voted to block the House Select Committee from getting a January 6th documents from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Sure seems like one of our justices is not legitimate. Well, I mean, yeah. one, to, one to four. Speaking of harassing private citizens, I wonder what Jenny Thomas thinks of Anita Hill, who <laughs> was a victim of harassment by her husband mm-hmm. i'm sure she's quiet there but Je- oh but uh Bi- joe biden winning an election is actually ruining <laughs> that's harassing me that's harassing you yeah i also was reading just up on Ginny in general and 
Clarence Thomas has never once recused himself from anything, even though there were like conflicts of interest with her own activism. And um, I just don't think there's any reason to think that like if the 2020 election had gone before the Supreme Court, which thank God we did not get to that point, which is what Donald Trump wanted was for the Supreme Court to make him president. Clarence Thomas has never recused himself as a result of his wife's activism. And if, God forbid, the 2020 election had gone before the Supreme Court, which Mm -hmm. is what Donald Trump wanted, I don't think he ever he would not have recused himself in that either, even with his wife at the Stop the Steal rally. Yeah. And that's and that's what's scary about what's happening now is that Republicans are setting up the legislature and the congressional maps and all of that to, you know, and their, you know, internal Supreme Courts by gerrymandering to make it so that the next election, if Democrats win, like it will go to the Supreme Court. And um, we all know what could probably mm-hmm. happen there. They, they will. <laughs> they will start this deal. Is what. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> start the steal. No. <laughs> All right, guys. That is the end of our episode for today. Amanda's laptop died, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I am going to do the sign off uh, until the end of democracy. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.